Alright folks, before we get into the main thing today, I want to let you know that this particular episode of the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast is made possible by our friends at Hexagon, especially the Asset Lifecycle Intelligence Division at Hexagon, where they are doing amazing things to modernize that part of the business that we usually call Enterprise Asset Management. Now, the best way to learn more about this is you go to Hexagon ppm.com hexagonppm.com click on the link or tap if you happen to be on your mobile device that says solutions and you'll see uh, you, you'll immediately see everything that they're about empowered engineer connected worker digital fabricator confident startup enterprise project i mean the list it's a whole digital twins it's all in there operational twins have a look at what hexagon is doing in enterprise asset management hexagonppm.com under pressure innovation in its finest hour this is the oil and gas technology podcast where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities hear about how it happens in real life with your host michael o'sullivan the views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation consortium governing body or interplanetary federation All right, and we are here in the remote configuration. We're not all together in the same room today, uh, but we're in different places. And and I'm here with Kay Sutter and Nathan Amory, both from a company that I used to know as IHS, and then it became IHS Market. And now is it is it S and P Global now, or are you still IHS yes. Market? How's how's the brand? It's it's all S and P Global now. Is that is that how you're how you're calling yourself? That's right. Yes. You're nodding. They're both nodding at me. Yeah, you can't <laughs> nod on the radio. <laughs> yeah. You can't nod on the radio. So yes. It, yeah. yes, we Go are ahead. S&P Global. S&P Global. Okay, so so all the IHS market branding is gone. Is that the is that the? But still the same great people though. Still the still still all the same great IHS people that we used to know. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, thanks for both of you for making time. I know it took us a little while to get this scheduled, so I'm glad we were able to do it. Yeah. Um, Okay, Kay. So let's do a little bit about uh, just so people know who they're listening to. Um, uh, Kay, now, of course, Nathan, you and I just met uh, like 11 minutes ago, but um, uh, but Kay and I knew it would go way back, although it's been a long time since we've seen each other. But yeah. but but we remember the dark days of 2014 and 2015 when uh, when when not a whole lot was going on back back then but but you'd actually been with ihs for a while even at that point in time right had you uh yes i've been with ihs for i just passed 14 years about a month ago so quite wow. a while i was actually so you saw ihs to ihs market to smp global i saw smt to ihs to ihs market. yes because you were with the kingdom team right yes. of course you so you came from the kingdom all right so so quick like uh a little bit about your background and how, how did you get to to where to where you are now so i have been around the industry on the service side for about 35 years now, so for a really long time. And since, you were, since you were nine. Since yeah. I was nine. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I fell into data management purely because it was something that nobody else wanted to do at the time. It was great to be a geologist, geophysicist, everything. I started out actually in a seismic service company with Western Geophysical. Yeah. And 
went to, did the rounds. So I've spent uh, 13 years at Western and then moved into Landmark. So mm -hmm. I was with Landmark Graphics for about nine years, uh, from training to consulting to mm -hmm. product management, all around data management and data management products, and then moved to SMT to take mm -hmm, over right. and start up the data management parts uh, for Kingdom. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, continued on. So I joined the EDM team about five years ago now. Uh, because when IHS and market merged, uh, when we were looking across the portfolio at products, uh, market had a great set of data management tools that was really filling a gap in something yeah, that we yeah. had seen for a long time. And so from the energy perspective, I joined the EDM team to work with Nathan. He brought me over so that uh, we could bring it into the energy space. Okay, so you guys have been working. Both of you have been working together for, for a while. Yeah. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. Were you part of the, like the wild days at Landmark? Like the early. Were you in like the early days of before before the Halliburton acquisition and and. Uh, I was in the first five years, before Halliburton was allowed to actually step in and do more. So yes, yeah. it was it was sort of the end of the early wild years. That was like the John Gibson years? Yes. Is that the John yes. Gibson years? Yeah. John John's Bob Peebler, John Gibson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. John John's kind of a semi regular on our on our podcast. Um uh okay great. So uh coming from the subsurface worlds, obviously uh data well everywhere we go in the industry data is a big deal. But um so you and Nathan have been working together for a while. Nathan, how how about you? Where did you how'd you how'd you come into all of this? Yeah, so my background is actually quite different to Kay's. So I come from more of an energy trading, commodity trading, technology background. Um and back in where are we now? 20, 2014, um, there was this super cool company, Hockey Stick Growth, called Market, um, yeah. kind of a, a real growth leader in financial services, data and technology. Mm -hmm. um, but they did very little in energy or commodities. Um, so I had the lunch, lunch with Lance, who was the CEO at the time, and after spending an hour with him, was ready to sign my life away to pretty much anything. There wasn't really yeah. a role there at the time. <laughs> Uh, but I knew I wanted to come and work for, th for this company. Um, so then what I did was really look at which of our technology assets which had been successful in financial services could potentially be transferred to energy. And at that point in time, energy to me meant trading. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. what we did, really starting um, EGM for Energy 1.0 uh, was in the energy trading space around 2015. Um, and then 2016, um, the merger between Market and IHS happened. So the whole world got turned upside down. Yeah. Um, well, there was something else that happened in 2015. Well, at the end of the end of 2014, but uh, but we refer to 2015 as the year of drinking lunches because yes. <laughs> because there was nothing there was nothing that you could do. So that was an interesting time then for you, I guess. It, it was. It was because. As we went through the merger, I knew very little about IHS at the time because obviously IHS very strong more in the upstream uh, oil and gas space. But um, what I was asked was to look at, is, is there an opportunity for us um, 
are there the same sort of challenges around the data management world in upstream as other verticals? Mm-hmm. Um, so we've kind of dipped my toes in there. We started to have a look. I had to start to try and <laughs> yeah. learn. What, the answer what is a, yes, by the way, in a big what, way. Big, big yeah. yes, big yes. Well, I, I had yeah. to learn what a well means for starters. <laughs> so this gives you an idea, kind of a. We're, a we still we're not sure yet, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it, it depends on which system you ask. What what is a well? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yes. But I think the the thing that came across within those first, I guess, dozen client meetings on the trip to Houston was not only are there issues in upstream oil and gas around data management, but they're probably two or three times what we see in the financial yeah. and trading market. So yeah. um, I think just the legacy of um, well, the, the long dated data being one thing, just how fragmented all the different soft softwares were, the number of different sources of data. Um, so I think one of the best things that I did at that time was, was kind of hold my hand up and say, yes, there's an issue here, but I need to bring some experts in to, to help us to quantify this and really see how as an organization we can help some of these challenges. And that, that's kind of the segue into to, to where Kay and I crossed paths because Kay was obviously in a, in a role within the Kingdom team, very close to geology and a great background covering all of subsurface. And at that point, Kay joined uh, and I'm trying to think what role you came in as, Kay, but basically, jack of all trades. Um, yes, You were doing product, you were doing yeah. pre-sales, you were doing SME. Kay was doing everything, basically. Kay was keeping the lights on in the early days. Yeah. And then as we started <laughs> to... Uh, Just like Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and, and then as we started to get closer to these issues, really start to define them and start to create solutions around that. That was really the, the genesis for yeah. us to build a, a dedicated team and function focused on upstream oil and gas. Yeah. So, you know, I hadn't thought of this, but as you're saying that, uh, it's interesting because you two really came from, I mean, outside of Nathan Head, you maybe come from the world of filling stations. It's not, you couldn't have been much further apart from each other, you know, on the spectrum (laughs) as far as the whole, uh, you know, oil and gas value chain. Like you are really, so, um, and traversing that, uh, in terms of data, I mean, the, the, the data problems are some of the most interesting. Um, we, I always say this whenever we talk on this show or anytime we talk about technology and oil and gas, we're always going to talk about three things. Um, and we, we've already hit one, obviously, because it's the topic. But I, I promise you we'll get to the other two somewhere in this conversation. It's all, We're always going to talk about data. We're always going to talk about, uh, even if we don't start out talking about data, we're going to talk about data. And, uh, and we're always going to talk about silos, and we're going to talk about culture. So uh, the, the two of you coming from those opposite ends of the spectrum, not only in terms of data, but this, the, traversing the silos and the culture is very different across all those different, the, the industry culture, that had to be, that had to be an interesting experience. Well, I think an example to give you is, I think when I first spent that first week in the Houston office, there's a Brit coming in wearing a, wearing a suit. And I think, <laughs> I think everybody thought the auditors were in or, or there's yeah. some sort of legal case. Yeah, or on. you were, so, yeah, or the, the caterers, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it actually did create sort of an interesting panic with the developers on the Kingdom team. <laughs> did, oh, I bet, yeah. So did they think uh, that they were, uh, they were in they trouble wanted, or something? They just wanted yeah. to know who all the people in suits were. And who all the people in suits were. Yeah, it's true. So, all right. Um, so, so EDM, not the music, the, the, the uh, enterprise data management, is not a new topic in this uh, industry. 
um, uh, and we've been talking. I mean, it's been around for. We we, we when we were chatting earlier, we mentioned some other companies that were targeting enterprise data management even long before we had all this fancy digital transformation stuff going on. Um, what uh, what's you know, and it's always been like this difficult thing. You know, it's always been kind of a money pit in the industry, right? Especially for big operators, you know, these enterprise data management projects, sometimes they go awry. Sometimes, you know, do they, do they ever really bring the ROI that they're supposed to? Are they ever really finished? I mean, what's, um, uh, what, what does it look like? What's it look like today? What are people dealing with? Like, what are they trying to, when they're, when they're out there flying the banner of enterprise data management, uh, are we still trying to figure out how to get a well to be the same thing in all the systems or have we moved on beyond that to something more, uh, sophisticated? If I, just one comment I have on that, maybe taking a step back, is, and, and you're completely right, I mean, data management challenges aren't a new thing, but interestingly enough, we, we've just recently done some research um, looking at oil price and how it correlates to employment levels within oil and gas, and we've, uh-huh. got, data, we've got data going back to 1990, and it's incredible how correlated oil price is to number of people employed in the industry until you get to 2020 and 2021. Hmm. And we've seen this divergence now. So oil price has gone up, which you'd then expect activity's gone up, amount of data generated's gone up, rig activity's gone up, so on and so forth, so on and so forth. But the level of employment hasn't increased. So, So a lot of those old issues are still there, but I think there's another kind of paradigm that we're looking at now where we have a, a almost like a staff shortage and an increase in the amount of work that needs to be done. Yeah. What? So why do you think, is it just because nobody wants to work for the evil oil industry anymore? Or is it, what do you think it is? Okay. For 35 years, you got, you got some person or either wait, you, got, you guys just jump in. <laughs> Honestly, it seems like in some cases people are wanting to run lean right now to make sure that now that things are growing and coming back, just a lot of the, a lot of the folks we talk to really are staying, you know, they're looking at automating and doing mm-hmm. more with, I mean, it's, yeah. the doing more with less is not different. I mean, that's been a statement Always, I think we've right. all made for a hundred years, sort of like yeah. data management. Right. But it, it is, you know, I mean, it, it's, I think people are looking at it a little differently now. Yeah. Well, there's the financial discipline. I, we've seen this a lot in the last couple of years where, um, yes, the oil, right, the price accrued and, and you know, everything went up in the last year, but what you haven't seen too, and so Nathan, you probably, you're talking about the correlations. The other correlation that we always saw, especially if you were on the sell side, right? If you were trying to sell stuff to the industry, when the price went up, that was usually a cause for celebration because that mean, meant that people were going to be like spending money like drunken sailors again. And, 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 uh, but they're not now. The, like the financial discipline that was kind of imparted on the industry coming out of 2014, 2015 seems to be and the and you know the requirements from wall street to say it's not good enough to break even on 50 dollars oil you got to actually return value to shareholders and you got to retire some of this debt and right and by the way this esg thing is coming like all of that seems to be sticking like the it used to be that when 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 prices were high 
the industry just said, don't fix it if it ain't broke. And they just, right, you know, just, just plowed ahead. But it seems different now. Do you see any other correlations like that? I, I think definitely spend in general needs a lot more, um, is it's being looked at a lot more rigorously. Um, yeah. And I think we've, we've sort of, in what we've done in the last 18 months, 24 months, is kind of pivot because whilst the name of the product would suggest enterprise data management, data management alone isn't enough when we're working with customers. Um, what we're really looking at now is what is the, how can we help automate a lot around the workflow? So if you've got a reduced workforce, there are still a huge number of repetitive tasks, which we can probably say, put in more the, the lower value bracket which isn't why you're a geologist or whatever. So yeah, yeah. As, as a vendor, as a supplier to the industry, we need to go beyond what was looked at as, as kind of a technical, um, a technical activity or, or, or the domain of IT largely, which yeah. was data management historical to now look at workflow automation. And I'd say because of that, we're dealing a lot more with the business than even two, three years ago, we were dealing a lot mm, more with mm -hmm, IT because mm -hmm. um, yeah. it's really freeing up those resources and it's, so, so it's partly that, and then I think the other big driver we have, to your point earlier, nobody signing up to 12-month, 18-month, 24-month no. IT projects. It, it, no, it, right. it just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, we've had such a turnover in the industry, very few people have even been willing to put their name next to a project to that length, because who knows if yeah. they'll still be there. Unless, um, unless it's when are we going to be net zero by, in which case we're happy to... <laughs> We're happy to, we want to put that data out there, out there beyond my retirement. But, but uh, no, you're right. We're seeing, and, and, you know, I do some consulting with companies that are, uh, you know, have something that they're trying to like on their go to market for something they're trying to sell into oil and gas. And, you know, and, and we say, look, like you have to show value in like, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you know, it doesn't have to be the be all end all, but you have, there has to be some ROI very, very soon. Is that what, what you're seeing, those kind of timeframes? A hundred percent. It's the whole time to value is something that we've put a big emphasis on. And, and, and we've had to change our approach as a, as a technology solutions provider, because in the past, part of the nature of our technology is it's, it's highly configurable, which yeah. is great. It gives almost infinite flexibility. But when we're looking at time to value life cycle, we as an organization have so much of the data. We, we have the applications. We have so much inherent knowledge yeah. within the company. What we've really tried to do is apply that to our technology so that we can go to an operator and say, well, I know, Mr. Operator, you think you're completely unique to everybody down the street, but you're kind of not. So here's 70% <laughs> of what every operator needs to do in the data management yeah. and kind of managing these sort of data types. Let's get you up and running with that in a matter of short, a matter of short weeks. Yeah. And then let's spend the time to find out what really makes you unique and how we can help you to make better decisions faster and more economically. Yeah. How, how do you get that? What's So it, it's funny. It seems like the industry is starting to realize that we're not, that everybody isn't as unique as, I, I mean, this came out with like... Uh, like Johan Krebers when he was evangelizing the OSDU, OSDU project, right? Yeah, right. He was like, "Look, guys, let's face it. You know, everything we have is not is not proprietary. In fact, most of what we have is not proprietary. Is that is that so? Okay, like you've you've seen that attitude in especially in upstream over the years. Is is that changing? Is it making it easier to maybe come up with a solution? Because that was the other problem was it was hard to come up with these solutions because everybody wanted something different. Is it getting easier to do that? I think it's different. Um, 
in some ways it's easier. I think people do recognize that, you know, yes, data is an asset and all of those things, but, you know, with looking at initiatives like OSDU and so forth, it really, there are real commonalities and no, there aren't a significant number of differences between the, you know, yeah. a well is a well is a well being used in a number of different applications very similarly. Right, right. But it really feels like there's a much more of a recognition of the information that's being produced from that data and mm -hmm. the quality feeding the analytics. And yeah. I mean, data's actually gotten kind of cool in the last few years, which is a big difference from the <laughs> Who last. Who ever saw that coming? Yeah. No, no. Um, so, yeah. you know, with, with that, I, the, the quality of the data is becoming, I think, more important and where, where the workflows, I guess the data is not unique, the workflows and derivatives of that data may be. And that really mm. is where the value lies. Yeah. Well, and that was kind of what, what Johan always said too, right? Is it's not the data, it's what we do with it that is special. Um, so, all right. So, so you mentioned a product, uh, which is also called EDM, right? The product is, is EDM. Yeah, right. Not, so, not so, electronic dance music. Yes. Not, not electronic dance <laughs> music. Although I could see some interesting YouTube videos like advertising your product, but um, um, so 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 you guys decided to create this uh, like because there aren't enough data management products in the world, and you said here's an opportunity to create one. What what did you see? Well, how long has it been, and what what was the what 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 made uh, what made you say there's a gap here, and we can we can create a product and it'll fill the gap. Yeah, so if I, if, I, if I go back in time to when we were really looking at how EGM could be applied, and there are a couple of things which I think really lend itself to a solution. Um, are there more than one data source? Definitely applicable in, um, in, in the upstream space. Um, are there multiple applications? And do we have different users within different functions who, ha who require the same data? So it, it literally ticked all of, our box, all of the boxes to move into Right. into energy and what we had was we almost had a we have a completely data type and data source agnostic platform as I mentioned it's exactly the same single code base as used by an investment bank or a, an asset manager or a hedge fund or a national oil company a, a 50 person independent operator exactly the same software but the nature of software allows us to configure components which make it make it specific to Workflows, and and that's really where we've come about. And and you're right. It, it wasn't. This wasn't kind of rocket science for us to say yes. Upstream oil and gas needs a data management system. But what we found was there wasn't just one system. It was really a a series of very focused point solutions. So either interpretation platforms being used for data management, not what they were designed to do, or there's mm. a system that was focused on log data management or well header data management or it might manage cores. So you have this myriad of different solutions, none of which talk to one another. So, yeah. so, so our approach was initially, we were like, okay, so what are all the different data types, data sets that an operator may need to use? Predominantly looking at subsurface initially. Let's create a solution which can cover all of those. So create that single view into the data universe is kind of a phrase we like to use a little bit. But then as we continue to develop, how do we go very deep in each of those individual data types. 
So log yeah. management, for example, is a standalone solution now. Initially, it was just a, a data type. Done the same in surveys, so on and so forth. So, right. so that was where we tried to come at it, is let's not just throw another point solution into the pot. Let's look to help harmonize this and then be agnostic in the way we connect to all of these different applications so that yeah. we can, we, a bit of the plumbing, it's a lot of the unsexy stuff behind the scenes, but it's yeah. the really difficult stuff. And it's the stuff where people are taking dumps into Excel or, and then manipulating into Excel, then emailing to somebody else. Yeah. And yeah. everyone knew it was highly efficient, and I, but I don't think much effort was being taken to really quantify how inefficient from a cost perspective. And then that really came about when the industry went through hard times and, and it was like, whoa, this is, sure. this, this yeah. is a big deal. Right, right. One thing I saw with when when looking, so when EDM was first sort of a thing, or or first I heard of it, yeah, is I was actually somewhat surprised at the parallels between its background with the financial and financial services sector, and then you know the issues we were seeing in you know in energy because they haven't changed. They really are the same things we've been looking at all along. Right. I think. The big difference that I saw and what interested me was in, it took a slightly different tack to the same problem uh, in terms of being able to adapt the workflow and the models and that configuration, the, the ability to configure it. Uh, so you weren't, it was evergreen. You, you weren't building a, you know, you weren't putting everything into a fixed data model that you had to go out mm-hmm. and gut every 10 years because you were now behind the times and had to change it. And yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was easy to evolve. So while it had the same principles or similar principles, the mastering and the pulling all of the, you know, pulling the information together, getting one, you know, the right record, the quality, it pulled all of this into a, uh, you know, configurable platform so that you could keep growing or you could change, you could adapt the workflows to the way people were working instead of having to adapt everybody's working to the way the piece of software worked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very much in keeping with, that is kind of the new, the new modern approach, right? Is, is to not, um, but boy, it's hard to, uh, um, like those those workflows are so were built over so many years. Maybe it's good that that, that we have that we don't have as many people in the workforce because it's that many fewer people that have to try to not keep doing everything the way they've been doing it for the last the last thirty years. Is that is that helping in terms of adoption? People seem to be changing that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I guess if you look at. The demographic as well now that we have in the industry, a lot of people, we had a lot of people retire early or, or come to retirement, right? We've got, a, we've got a new raft of people coming in who have a certain expectation about what they do in their job, the technology that they leverage and so on. They don't want to be coming in and crunching numbers in spreadsheets and uh, taking stuff out of emails and things like that. So I think it's, it's, it's compound in terms of the drivers around this because of the lack of people and just a people wanting to do things in a different way. And it, we've also seen kind of a couple of different attempts at this, right? I mean, go back five years ago and the data lake was the savior of everything data management yeah. related. Is it not um, still? I thought it still was. Did we, did we give up on the data lake? Well, I don't think it's, we've given up on the data <laughs> lake, but I think, it's, I think it's a realization that, that it alone is not the silver bullet. Um, yeah, it's, think, it's a lake, yeah. Yeah, it's a bucket. Yeah, it's a bucket. I mean, it does speak to the the thing that I always liked, you know, um, 
in spite of the, you know, the buzzwords and the trends and everything is the notion that, because going back to something you said earlier, Kay, which is, you know, as time went by, our data models, which were very like, not even necessarily rigid. Well, they were rigid, but, but also where every, where the relationships between everything was all figured out and mapped out and, and, and we kind of took into account all the possible, you know, contexts and scenarios and built that into the database and then things would change and you'd have to rewire it. Like the notion of the data lake was we're not going, you know, was to try to take a different approach that, that didn't have all the relationships kind of like hard built into the, the data. But, but I, I don't, I never had a real good sense of how successful, you know, if people were really able to do that. I know there were a lot of data lake projects. And a lot of data swamps as a result. I, I, th- <laughs> I think, and Kay, Kay, it'd be interesting your view, but I think there was a, a lot of emphasis on how to get data into a data lake versus how do we make it more consumable for end users out the yes. back end. Yeah. Is Which is very similar to the, you know, any you know, data warehouse, data lake, data this. It's all about getting it in there. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't necessarily make it easy for anybody to work with or provide, you know, it, it's right. great because it's all in a lake now and you can right. sort of get to it. Now I can take it out of the lake, put it back in my spreadsheet where I do all the work that I have to do right. in order to give it to, to the next person. Um, and not necessarily having any benefit of some of the quality controls over it because yeah. it's really, you just push everything in the lake and that doesn't magically fix the data. No. No, we haven't figured out how to magically fix the data. <laughs> There's another thing, um, Nathan, you mentioned, you know, putting something in something and emailing it to somebody else, um, w- which is another scenario of, and this is where we get, ah, see, I told you we would come to the silos now. Um, uh, like, and, and Kay, I remember back when we were uh, working in some of the same circles, one of the things that we were trying to do or that a lot of people were trying to do was to connect uh, f- across different disciplines, right? Across the different, like, like, like your, like your subsurface people are uh, are are working, and then you know to get that to your operational geologist and your driller was like. You, and and eventually what we were trying to do was this whole closing the loop thing, right? Where we want to take the data and take the analytics and bring it back into the process so we can improve. But the problem was in these different disciplines, the data was so completely different. They spoke a different language. The data was formatted completely different. Like there was no way to, that was why somebody had to take it out and put it in a spreadsheet and translate it into something because otherwise, uh, you know, it makes no sense to, to, to the people working in drilling and completions, whatever comes out of subsurface. So is that um, is that still the case? Do we still have that that, well, that trouble well, I think in the world? The, the other thing to add to that, of course, was COVID, and best part of two yeah. years where I heard somebody, about that COVID. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so somebody couldn't just walk over and pop to somebody's desk and say, "Well, what what is this you've sent me?" So yeah, I think that yeah. again accelerated that need for technology to help do some of that normalization, do some of that translation, and make sure that everybody's looking at uh, the same information. Yeah. So, so what is it? Okay. So you got this product. What does it do? Now I'm curious. Now I'm curious. Cause we've talked all around the, uh, uh, like these are all the, it sounds like a lot of the challenges uh, we've made headway in the industry, but okay. Like you said, we're still dealing with a lot of the same challenges. So, so what's cool about EDM? How does it, how does it work? It, 
anyone, just jump in. Anyone. So I, I, so <laughs> one, one of the things that I think is, is really cool about it is, is obviously data management is a huge field, right? There are a number of different components of data management. And what we've done is take the approach of combining a lot of these into a single solution. So in data management talk, we're talking about things like ETL, the extract, transform, load. We're talking about master yeah. data management. We're talking about data quality. We're talking about data warehousing and also uh, workflow automation. For a lot of our customers, these have been four or five distinct applications or distinct projects with different owners. What we've done is solution that into a single single product. So Kate can definitely go into details where on our, all our really cool stuff that we're doing is subsurface. But for me, that is a fundamental because one of the other drives that we've seen throughout the downturn is a is a drive to reduce the number of applications, reduce the amount of technical debt, and uh, re- reduce the support overhead. And that, that's where we fit quite well. Yeah, yeah. So it, this is a tech show. It's okay to, to, to like geek out a little bit. So, okay, like what do you, when you look at, at what you're doing now with the technology, how, how, how is it different or what are you excited about, you know, maybe versus the way we had to do things before? It's kind of an endless laundry list, actually. Uh, oh. And one thing Nathan left out is putting a user interface on it that a normal human being can operate as opposed wow, to. Wow, you're you going know, too far. Like, yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, especially for me, because I actually am, I like to geek out on the data. But Does it, uh, does it, take, does it take two days to learn the menu system? Because that used to be the no. standard. That was the, uh, that was a minimum. <laughs> yeah, minimum. Minimum two days. Yeah. Just to learn the, the menu system yes. for, your, for your discipline. But the rest of yes. them, yeah, that was, yeah, exactly. So it's different now it's different now and and especially moving you know now that everything's moving into the cloud native and SaaS and microservices and everything because you we have a long history of of you know uh an application base and edm is a you know sort of a windows stack of applications but at the same time we've got the efforts to bring this all as uh cloud native with you know all the cool bells and whistles that go along with that mm-hmm. so in edm is something a normal even today edm is something a normal human can implement not a developer necessarily because i figure i use myself as a, as a baseline for that yeah. if i can do it then <laughs> you don't have to write any code yeah. so, so, um, so just to add to that the first thing Kay said to me when I brought her into the group and we were saying, okay, okay, you're going to help him out in product. You're going to help us to define and kind of build EDM. She said, I am not a developer. I and do this, not write code. This, 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 yeah, I do not write code. That was it. And that was like the litmus test. Like if, if Kate could yes. come in and use her knowledge of the space, use the configuration kind of thing and create like a really cool solution, then we knew we, we were winning. So yeah, um, that's, and, and what's good. even cooler, yeah, what, what, what's really cool, so the cool kind of geeky technical part of it is that, yeah, I can make the solutions work and I can take these components and I can build, you know, from end to end workflows and UIs and all of that, which I find really cool. But moving into the SaaS world, it's, it's even, you know, it's designed to be even more business user friendly, not even technical user friendly, but allowing business users nor, like to go out and pull together the bits and pieces in the UIs to form their workflows at an even easier, more, you know, graphical process. Mm. So it's, it, you know, it's evolving from, you know, super deep technical to reasonably technical to something that, you know, 
an end business user can configure for themselves, which I find really awesome. It's just that progression. I, I mean, if it's true, you know, and I assume you're not lying. So no. if, it's, if it's really true, that, that does sound like the thing that we were always, that we always wanted or that people always wanted, but it was always sort of impossible to deliver. Does it, does it, make, um, does it make IT people nervous? Like, oh boy, here we go. Now the, now the business people are going to want this and they're going to, or, or, you know, how does varies. it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that really varies. Right now, there's definitely, you know, IT people are always heavily involved when we work with clients because it, it it's just the nature of it. I think that there's, you know, I don't think it makes IT people nervous because we're still looking at, everyone's still looking at security and all of those functions around a company, whether you're pulling from a SaaS solution or on-prem or yeah. cloud hosted. So, you know, we, we work in, you know, we're, we're moving into the SaaS. We, we work in a cloud hosted environment or on-prem, all of those. IT has a function in all of those. Yeah. So, so, so the, so I guess what you're saying is, the 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 infrastructure side of IT now has also been evolving to a point where it can more easily accommodate all these new fangled business user things, right? Because the frameworks, yeah. everything's not a a one off effort in terms of security and 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 data management and things like that, right? You can, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's I a think world. I think we all need to move forward with that. But I, yeah. I, I, I do also say, if, if, if I recall pretty much every conversation I've had with anyone in IT in the last two years, not one single person is struggling for things to do right now. <laughs> these, these guys are busy. And then, and then when, you, when you talk to them about data management, what they're often being done, what often happens is they're being called by the business to go and run scripts, to go and find stuff in a database and so on and so mm. forth. So actually, mm -hmm. IT love to use an application yeah. like us because they can offload it. Because right. then the end, it's, it's a lot more self service self service for an end user. So yeah. that's a bit of our um, that's a bit of our kind of structure. There's always the the infrastructure side, the security, as Kay mentioned. I think security, particularly around cyber security, is increasing a, a, across the board. But that sort of end user enablement takes away a lot of the noise. Yeah, so that's true. So how, which brings us kind of around to the question that always comes up, that has always been the question with these types of of, of products or, or or solutions is is okay. How do I get all my stuff into your stuff? Right. That that's that was always sort of the the uh, and this comes back to that time to value. Right. We can't do a six month project just to get all the data organized and put into the new platform. So how are how are you approaching that with with folks? Well, I think one thing is kind of in the last again probably three years, the vast majority of our product development investment has gone into building industry connectors. So for us, it's really important we remain agnostic. So if you're using applications from Slumberjay, Halliburton, if you're using other data vendors, so on and so forth, we provide those connectors. So we can pretty much go into any customer and be confident that we have 70 or 80 percent of the, the, the tools to connect to their data. There's always mm -hmm. going to be the proprietary data and so on, and we have a number of components which help to automate the ingestion of um, all the industry standard data types, we're looking at logs or surveys, whatever that data type is, mm -hmm. but also we know there's always some funky stuff in a cupboard locked away somewhere 
uh, with cobwebs all over it, and yeah. and it's and it's being underutilized. So we also then have a framework which allows us to deal with more sort of bespoke data types and bring those in, and and initially bring all of the data in into what we call a, a data hub. Um, exciting name, but we bring that into <laughs> data hub, and that's really that's really a foundation that gives you the full view of your data estate and. At times, I think that's a little bit nerve, nervy for customers because they see, oh, actually, we've got a lot of duplicate data here. Oh, we thought we had this data. It's mm-hmm. not here. Um, oh, we've got six different versions of this data. Are we using yeah. the same version across the org? So that's really the fundamental we start with. It, it's that hub. But the ability to go in day one and say, okay, we have connectors for ABC software. Plug it in, press play. The data comes in. You can view it um, within hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, you know, another part of that is having the ability to connect all of the different systems. And it's not just, we talk a lot, I talk a lot about subsurface systems, but it's not just that. It's, you know, moving into engineering and surface and and financials and whatever. Once you have all of that information exposed in sort of through a single view or a single index, you can start pulling it together in all kinds of different ways. And so one thing that's really interesting is the different workflows that get passed off to, uh, you know, analytics, you know, the BI tools and so forth. The, the different ways you can munge the data together become really apparent because you have all of this stuff there. And yeah. you found things that maybe, and maybe found relationships that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, that, I mean... Sure. And then you can, um, so how do I'm trying to think of, and I I can kind of picture what the user interface looks like. Um, but how would somebody like, what's a typical scenario that somebody would say, uh, cause you're not, um, um, it, it sounds like you're not, you know, creating a new layer of workflows on top of this data that then have to kind of get synchronized back into other tools. You're using this to get insights into the data, right? Is that well, is that the idea? I, I mean, one. Sorry, okay. Just, just, just no, one. No, go ahead. Um, so one really, really simple workflow, and simple works good for me, um, is when we look at logs, for example. So, you guys are obviously more familiar than I am with with the. Um, kind of historical process from acquiring a log through to actually having it in your interpretation platform. But So what we do in EGM now is a log will often come into an email inbox. So we will poll an email inbox. We will identify when a log arrives. We will bring that log into the system. We will run through validation of all the curves. We will do any normalization, inform people um, who are owners of projects in ABC different application that a new log has arrived it's gone through validation we create exceptions people can go and fix those and then we'll publish that log into the kingdom the Petra the Petrel the geographics whatever yeah, that application I gotcha. is yeah, yeah. And, it, and it can have as little or as much human touch point as you want through that process yeah but, so that, yeah. that's a very kind of finite kind of workflow but I think it's, it, it's yeah, a good example of automation Right, right. So it, you know, in effect, it is ingesting the data and and potentially redistributing it. Right. But sort of the steps beyond that and the quality and as Nathan said, either the automation or the approval checkpoints, however that needs to be structured for a given group, um, yeah. can be applied. And then on top of that, you have access and audit of all of this information that's been flowing into and through the system. So then taking that and beginning to combine it 
for those additional insights and additional information, passing that off to your business intelligence tools, the, you know, into the analytics platform. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Right. Right. So, um, um, that, yeah, that's the, so it's kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning, which is, this is the part that a lot of times people would do with spreadsheets and whatever tools to, to, uh, pull all the data out, do a bunch of stuff with it, and then try to put it back in all the places where it's, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, you're kind of taking the fun out of it, I think. I think people are, you know, I mean, I think people are going to miss all that. (laughs) all that all that mpt that they had because they were busy trying to uh to do something in excel so where do um where all right so if i want to learn uh more about uh, this about what you guys are doing um where where do i and i i I usually i should have told you before we got started that i usually ask this at the end but but i am sure you got information on your website right um is is uh is that the best place to go to learn learn some more anything else going on webinars or events or things like that and we can put all this in the show notes by the way yeah so so website definitely but as a big org it's it's not always easiest to navigate Um, yeah i wasn't going to mention that but yeah it's kind of (laughs) um but there's a lot of information there and details on the use cases but now luckily people are getting back face to face we are going to be running more of a webinar series we are actually looking at starting in november in calgary getting back to doing more of a lunch and learn where we're going to be um touring a number of cities across north america um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Houston, Denver, Oklahoma, um, et cetera, et cetera, where we, where we bring a group of people in for a topic, we'll provide lunch, and we'll just go through how we're helping solve some of the, the main challenges that we're seeing. So Yeah, uh, okay, good. So we can, put some, we can put some of that in the show notes. And uh, so uh, last thing, and then we'll wrap up, because otherwise if we keep talking, people will stop listening. Um, <laughs> So, so any uh, any advice for somebody who says, "Wow, this is uh, this is this is what I need to be doing," or "This is these are the challenges that we're having." Apart from just you know pick up the phone and call Nathan and Kay, uh, how, how do you uh, any advice for people like where do they where do they start in terms of being able to to go down this this type of a path? So, so I think we see two cli- clients in two two buckets at the moment. Those that are trying to solve issues that have built up over a long period of time and those which are newer companies that we're seeing coming in now who want to get the foundation right from the first place and I, and I think my advice is really to look at data management um, as more of a layer across all of the uh, architecture that already exists rather mm-hmm. than a distinct spoke because yeah. um, it has to have governance at the forefront um, without governance then the success is going to be limited but one of the things that we talk about is really understand the business processes and use the technology, ideally EDM, to help deliver yeah. that versus picking a piece of technology and then trying to backdoor of your processes in, which, which is where you get to the two-year projects and nobody ever feels happy. So I think it's really being clear on defining what your, what your requirements are, the interdependencies between functions and technology. And then also having an awareness that change management has a large role to play yeah, in, right. in the success of the project. Yeah, yeah, that right. And one thing to add to that, because this comes up a lot, is mm-hmm. you don't have to have all of this, all of the decisions and the flows, and you don't have to have everything figured out before you ever start. Mm. 
Um, it's one of the biggest issues and always, honestly, always has been as long as I've been doing this. People spend so much time analyzing how they need to structure everything and what it needs to look like and where every single piece of information needs to be and all the standards and everything that by the time they actually get to implementing, it's almost too late. And that all that time has been spent up front yeah. uh, where you can take pieces, find the, find the biggest win, the maybe the smallest effort that's going to give you the biggest gain and just focus on that for a short period of time and deliver it because you can always grow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, actually, Kay, that's, that's probably the, the biggest thing that I hear, which is, which I think is, is out of sync with, with, with the whole problem is, we're not ready to start a data management project. We've got to fix all of our data first. It's like, no, yes. you, are, you are never going to fix, like you, you're here You're here where you are for a reason, Like you're never going to fix that data just trying to do it ad hoc and, and, and piecemeal. Um, leverage some of the technology that already has this in bill. Yeah, yeah. We got to. We gotta fix our data first. Um, not yeah. The, well, that's the thing is you have to be able um, you have to be able to get started without that. That was what always that was what always bogged down all the big data management projects. Right? Was you just never got out of the fixing the data stage, and the exactly. more you fixed, the more you, yeah, you just find out. So so it is. It's good to know that it is. It's 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 feasible to make progress now without actually fixing all of your data. All of your data first. You can actually. You just get, um, and and I can do I can do that without worrying that uh, that I'm going to back myself into a corner. I'm going to say, man, I sure wish we would have something. Is that I mean, there's always some planning around it, but yeah. I think there's a difference between planning uh, planning for years and planning yeah. a small part and just knowing that there's a bigger picture so that you right you arrange yourself so that you can grow. Yeah. Cause, cause it's easy. It's easy to, you know, sure. The other people, those, these guys can say, don't fix all your data first. They're not going to have to be here when I'm dealing with the mess, right? This credit letter. So, um, uh, but it, it, I mean, that was always sort of like the worry, right? The consultants come yeah. in and they say, just do this and then they're gone. And now I'm dealing with the, but, but, but it, it, it's, it sounds like what I'm hearing is like, we've evolved, like the species has evolved beyond that. Now we're, we're, we're much better. Yeah. I think well, yeah. if you see a little bit of progress, you learn what helped you get there and that gives you the confidence to move forward. So you get yeah. more, you have more trust in that process. Right. And the technology is flexible now. Things are much easier. It's not, you're not, it's, uh, we don't worry so much about like rework and, and unwiring and rewiring, things yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 And, and I think also it's a bit of a, it's not necessarily just good data or bad data. It's like how bad, how high a priority and being able to run an automated rules on that to generate all these exceptions that you then throttle and move yeah. means that yeah. you can't like, Everyone has issues around data, right? Um, so it's, but how do you get the focus on those which are going to be most impactful? Right. Got it. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I think we're, we've, uh, we, we, we should wrap up because otherwise we'll start saying the same thing that we already said. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so Kay Sutter and Nathan Amory, thanks again for making time to be on the show. And, uh, we'll put, uh, we'll put all the, all your, all your info and stuff in the show notes, but, uh, it's good. We haven't. I haven't. I haven't done an episode on uh, on data management in quite a while. So it's good to uh, hear the latest from the front lines. So thank, thank you. you. All right. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. 
Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.